Hello everyone, my name is David Lane and welcome to Life in the Pit. Uh, this is going to be just a bonus episode. I don't have a guest today, but it's been two weeks since my last episode and I wanted to come on uh, with something that's a bit timely. I know for a fact that I have music students among my listeners and I also know that I have some a lot of musician friends and colleagues who listen to this podcast that have done probably a lot of work on the community theater level, um, but maybe not a lot, or in some cases, maybe not any work um, on more on a more professional level with, with higher expectations. I've interviewed a lot of guests on this podcast, and we have talked about really their stories of success. And in some cases, we've talked about their failures, but mostly it's um, about the great things that they've achieved in their career and how they, how they got to that point. With few exceptions, though, we haven't talked a whole lot about the failures along the way, about, for example, getting fired from a show. I know that was brought up at least a couple of times, and, and in fact, one of my uh, previous guests posted on social media maybe two or three weeks ago, and it, that everybody she she knows, except for maybe a couple people, maybe a few people she can count on one hand, everybody she knows, with those few exceptions, has been fired at one point or another if they've achieved a certain level. But we don't really talk about that much, and uh, so I've thought about whether or not I should even bring this up on, on the podcast and I do think there's a lot of value in me discussing it while I'm recording, uh, talking in front of this microphone. Now that it has been a, um, as of the time I'm recording this, it's been a full week since this occurred. So I have a personal story about being let go from a show. And I've thought about the lessons that I can take from that. And I thought that I would share that because, first of all, this may be something that you've gone through before and you can relate, or it may be something that you will go through. It's like, we don't, we'd like to think uh, about our future as being full of success, but, um, that's very seldom the case. Uh, very seldom the case. You are probably going to have some moments of setback, moments of failure. And also maybe this will increase the odds of you avoiding some of those setbacks of doing the things necessary in advance to avoid that. Okay, so first of all, I, I, I don't want to say what I'm talking about. I'm just, just, I won't give it air. I won't talk about what show this is. But, you know, now in 2021, Google makes decent detectives of all of us. So by now, most of you know where I live. You can probably, you know, deduce the date on the calendar uh, and figure out which one of probably three shows <laughs> that, are, that this would apply to. I recently was uh, given the opportunity to be a sub on Keyboard 2 for a locally touring Broadway national tour. And I hinted at this in some previous episodes, and I even talked about um, one of the things that I was doing as far as practicing some difficult passages on a uh, the last bonus episode that I did. And, 
you know, seeing it's almost interesting to compare this with that because you'll you'll see you know how things didn't work out. Again, this was my first Broadway tour, and and I was nervous about it. One thing I've learned from talking to the guests is how expectations are higher as you go up the ladder. Um, if you go into a Broadway pit, you you need to have your act together the first time you go in there, and it, it, it needs to be as close to perfect as you can get it. You know, while I think everybody understands, there'll be some missed notes, but those have to be by far drowned out <laughs> by all the correct notes and the correct dynamics and so forth. And you could say the same thing is pretty much true for Broadway tours. Again, just as a refresher, like many Broadway tours, they have what are called the traveling musicians, which is a core few, you, definitely the music director, um, usually some rhythm section, some core guys that travel with that show everywhere they go. And then they have some chairs to fill, um, which they will use a local contractor and get the highest quality musicians they can find to fill those chairs. And all of these local guys are expected to play as well as the guys in the previous city. And if there's a noticeable drop-off, that person will be asked to let go. Well, this was my first time with with such a show like this. Um, so I came in not as a... Uh, is not as someone who would be at every show. In fact, I was only scheduled to be at, I believe, five different shows in three weeks. But I had to attend what was a double rehearsal day. It was um, an afternoon and an evening rehearsal uh, with a dinner break. And I was scheduled to come back the next day for a basically run-through rehearsal just before the opening night. And again, knowing in advance, uh, I, I was very nervous and, and so some of the things that I was, I was nervous about uh, is on keyboard two, I was not practicing on their instrument. So, and I'll talk more about that in just a moment. There, you know, if you play keyboard two, you're not just playing the keys and operating a damper pedal, but you're also operating patch changes with a foot switch. And you're also using your left foot to control the volume when you've got to increase and decrease on non-piano sounds, which mostly is what you're playing on keyboard too. Things like Leslie organ or um, strings or, you know, any other kind of sound that would crescendo, diminuendo. So all of those things are there. The book that I received was very detailed as to you know, exactly when you should change the patch, but it was also very detailed as far as volumes. Um, now, one thing we haven't talked about before, but in the world of MIDI, which is our language for digital keyboards and digital audio in general, volume goes on a 0 to 127 scale. So 0 means you're, you're muted, basically. 127 means it is max volume. So, and it's max volume for that sound. That, you know, the sounds can be programmed to be louder or softer or whatever, but you're at, if you're at 127, you're max. Well, in this book, there are measures where it says, uh, like sforzando piano, this is an effect that you can do in brass, 
and uh, where you hit the note hard and you sustain the note, but you immediately back off the volume. Okay. Well, there are places where this book is helping out the brass section. And so that Sforzando piano is shown with volume 127 going down to 80 and crescendoing back up to 127. And then later on it may say 110, and then it may say 90, then it may say 70. Okay, well, right in front of you will be your sheet music, but off to the right is your monitor, which is showing you what sound you're on, but also the volume level. It's got a meter. shows you from 0 to 127 where you are. And so you're responsible for not only being on the right sound at the right time, but getting that volume at least as close as you can. I mean, I did ask in advance. Um, if it says 85 and I'm on 82, 83, is that okay? And um, the person I consulted said, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, as I come to figure out, it doesn't mean you can get 110. It doesn't mean you can get 60. You have to watch. You have to be very alert to what's going on. And I was very nervous about being able to do all that. And there were, there were a few measures in my in my hands that I felt like I, I sure could use a little bit more practice on them to feel very good. And then the last thing that that happened that I was not prepared for, but I should have been, given that I was a sub, and given that the principal player is a traveling musician, was that uh, the principal was sitting next to me at, uh, during the rehearsal, calling out the things that I was doing incorrectly. And even as the music director was giving us notes after we played, while I was trying to pay attention to that, I was also getting notes next to me from the principal keyboard two player. And all of this caused me, I, I don't want to use the word to spiral, because it's not like I had a meltdown, but I did not play my best. And I could not shake the feeling of being anxious and nervous for really the rest of the rehearsal. After dinner break, I came back and I felt a little better. I think I felt a little better because no one told me to go home. You know, it, um, it, it, it was actually something that I was kind of expecting, but it didn't happen. And so I was like, okay, all right, well, I can't imagine I'll do any worse than I did the first block of rehearsal. So I'll do what I can. And, uh, and it wasn't great. I still had some deficiencies, but I did play a little bit better, and um, I wasn't told not to come back. <laughs> I, I drove home. Uh, I live; it's a bit of a uh, bit of a drive to get back to my house. And when I got back to my house, I think I'd been there for maybe thirty minutes when I got a phone call from the contractor who hired me for this gig. It was just saying, "I'm sorry, David, but we're going to have to let you go." And it wasn't at all a surprise, even at that point. Uh, I was also told that the chair for this show, uh, I am not the first. <laughs> the, the, it is a difficult book, and um, quite a few people, even, even on their most recent tour since COVID, they've had to let somebody go. Uh, and in fact, I, I posted about this on my personal social media, and uh, immediately got a message from a colleague in another city that says he he was asked to play that same book several years ago and 
he was told to to move out of the way so the principal player could could play during the first block of rehearsal hour, the first rehearsal hour. And he said he basically, uh, during the break, just walked out. He 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 knew there was no point. <laughs> and, um, and and by the way, I wouldn't recommend you do that. Uh, even if you think things are going poorly, it, it is really up to you to stay in there <laughs> until you're told not to come back. You know, so just uh, if if you've decided like he did, uh, I'm I'm not. I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, and, and it wasn't something he'd done a lot of. So in his situation, that was fine. If you're wanting to be in pits, you stay in there, even if things are not going well. Anyways, not a, not a surprise. I was let go. It's the first time I, that I've been fired in theater. And I, I, it didn't feel good, even though I was expecting it. You know, this is something that I've learned um, you can prepare for things all that all you want. In fact, I even did a thing that I've learned from stoicism called negative visualization. I did it several times that week. I visualized getting fired and came to terms with that. It doesn't matter when it actually happens, though. You'll still feel uh, a negative emotion. And it took me it took me about 24 hours to get over it. And And by getting over it, I mean to where I didn't feel the disappointment anymore, but I was able to reflect on it. And, um, and there's a lot of things that I've thought about and I won't share all of them, but I want to share, share the ones that I think that are pretty relevant. So some things that went wrong and, and actually instead of approaching it, like what went wrong, <laughs> uh, because I'm going to cover it by the way that I'm choosing to talk about this. Instead, I'm going to talk about what if I was wanting to do this exact same opportunity again? Let's just say, what if this opportunity was going to come about in one or two years from now? And let's just say, pretend that you're me uh, with my experience. Let's just say that you know you're going to get an opportunity to play for a national tour, one with high expectations, and uh, you play keyboard. What what are some things that you can do to improve your odds? So, so for me personally, there are five things that I would want to improve. And uh, the first is to play every gig assuming that the expectations are as high as they would be on a Broadway tour. This is a little bit challenging because this is actually not the case. I have played mostly for community theaters. I have played for three schools, three colleges to be precise, uh, and one high school thrown in there. And two of those colleges are for nationally renowned musical theater programs. So their expectations are definitely not low. They're, they're actually pretty high, uh, though not as high as a Broadway tour. But community theater... I mean, everybody who goes to community theater will tell you that the expectations are high. The actors, they take the show very seriously. And uh, the musicians that I've worked with, they, they do a good job as well. But, uh, you know, a lot of times your production team is just thrilled that they can have live players in the pit. And as long as it sounds in the ballpark... You know, there's not going to be a lot of problems. And if you play keyboard two for a community theater show, 
Um, most music directors that I know of, as long as you are playing the right notes most of the time, are not going to have a problem if you have to leave out a hand because you weren't able to work out hands together on a, on a passage, uh, or if you're not able to get a patch change in time and you're going to play with something a little bit different. So if you are used to that environment and you allow yourself to settle for those expectations, even when you know that expectations are going to be higher, it is hard to, to flip that switch on. And as I was told, you know, at when you get to the Broadway national level, whether that's touring or actually, you know, being on Broadway, there is absolutely no patience from the music director to still be figuring things out. When you get to the first rehearsal, it needs to be as if you were to play your book, it is, as long as you knew what the conductor was going to be doing, what all the cuts were and all that. It needs to be, if you had an audience out there paying money to hear you play, you would be ready to do it. Right then, right there. So one of the solutions to that is to set that standard for yourself always. It doesn't matter if you're playing for a middle school uh, drama team. It doesn't matter if you're playing for a community theater in a town with 3,000 people. You need to take the same attitude that you know you were going to get on a national tour and apply it to whatever it is you're playing. So that's my, the first thing is to get used to tighter expectations, whether they're real or not, and make it consistent. The second thing that I would need to do is make sure that I'm practicing on the correct equipment. So one thing I've been able to get away with in the past is practicing a keyboard two book basically on my piano. I didn't really worry so much about the patches. Uh, as, as if it was now, let me take that back. If it is my keyboard, I'm going to be using for a gig. I practice on that keyboard so that I can get used to the patch changes. But when I'm playing for other places, usually a keyboard is provided. So I say, well, instead of getting my keyboard out, my equipment, I'll go ahead and just practice on the piano. Well, as we talked before on episode 38 and 39, the standard now is having a laptop with something like MainStage. Um, actually, let me correct that. Not something like MainStage, but MainStage. You need a MacBook. You need a Mac laptop. You need MainStage, which is not a the, the laptop can be expensive. The, the app is not. And you need a, a keyboard that will function with that, that has, you know, pitch bend, has uh, 88 keys, and will work as a controller to the keyboard. And you need a damper pedal, and you need a sustain pedal, and you need a patch change. And from what I can tell, I would go ahead and set it up left to right, volume, damper, and patch change. Because that's one thing that caught me off, off guard. I wasn't used to the, the fact that the damper sustain pedal was in the middle, not on the right. And so that threw me for a little bit. So um, you'll use your right foot to go back and forth from patch to damper, and you'll use um, your left foot for the volume pedal. So I would need to make sure I have all those. I have most of those. I actually don't have main stage. I've never used it on something I programmed myself. 
So that was a mistake, not practicing on the actual equipment itself. So you want to make sure that you do that. The, the next thing is I would need to get more experience on keyboard too. Um, so the show that I'm playing for actually has more than two keyboards. It's a, it's a keyboard heavy show. There, most shows have at least two keyboards if, if it's not just a rock show or something like that. And keyboard one is basically the piano accompaniment, maybe stripped of parts that you have other instruments for, but it is, you know, a piano heavy book. If you're changing sounds on piano one, um, it's not really that frequent. Uh, that's changing over the years. Piano one books can be quite uh, intense in terms of the patch changes, but this is what your keyboard two book really does. So like, a typical keyboard one book might have, oh, let me, I'm, I'm just going to say uh, 50 patch changes in a show, where, where your keyboard two book will have 300 patch changes. And you need, you need something that works for that. So you also need experience playing those shows. So I thought about this. I played keyboard two on... If I'm thinking correctly, I've played keyboard two, you know, I should say keyboard two, three, or four, or whatever. <laughs> Probably about six or seven shows. Just kind of off the top of my head there. And that's not enough experience. Imagine you've, uh, you know, imagine you're a saxophonist and you've only played seven theater shows. And uh, you're asked to play saxophone for a very popular Broadway national tour. That's probably not enough experience. You you probably want more than that. And and what if all that experience was on low expectation gigs? My experience has mostly been as a music director in keyboard one. Very different set of expectations. Very different technique in playing the show. The, uh, the skill sets are not quite the same. So if I want to do well on a keyboard two for a Broadway tour, I need to get more much more experience playing keyboard too, which would mean turning down some of the offers of music directing and say, uh, but I would like to play your keyboard two book and get to where you can play every book you do really well, even if you don't get it as well as you should have bef before opening night. Just get really good at practicing those books and get, get them to where you're collecting a proficiency on a lot of shows and you're getting used to a lot of styles. The fourth thing that I could have used to improve my odds of doing well is done more climbing up the ladder. All the way back in episode one, I talked about how there's kind of a hierarchy of uh, theaters in terms of qualifications, prestige, uh, even ticket price. <laughs> if you want to know how good a theater is, how much ex expectations they have, go check the ticket prices. Uh, if you're paying 15, 20, 15 to twenty dollars to to enter, that's not going to be as high of expectations as if you are paying one hundred twenty, one hundred forty to enter. So of course tickets can go up from there depending on what the show is. The higher dollar your amount that your audience member is paying on average, the higher the expectations. Well, as I said, I've done a lot of work in community theater, and I've had some work in some colleges with bona fide theater programs. Well, I need more of that. I would also need to find some of the regional theaters, maybe some summer stock theaters to get some keyboard two experience. I should also look for, you know, some of the regional professional theaters where actors 
themselves are paid and and get that kind of experience. There are also tours that are not Broadway tours. That might be a good thing to also try is to um, maybe sub for a few of those. But get such a variety of experience in that particular niche that I'm working my way up the ladder so that when I sit down in a rehearsal for a Broadway national tour, it's not so much of shell shock. It's not that anxious moment. It's like I've kind of worked my way up to it. It's like um, if I'm doing an exercise where I wanted to be able to lift 200 pounds, but I could only do 80 to start off with, it's it's getting to 100, 120, 140, 160, 180, 190, and then you try 200. It's not going 80, 90, 100, 200. Oops, <laughs> that's too much. Progress in a smooth manner, a forward trajectory. So that might mean saying no. If you're trying to get from, say, a community theater level to Broadway national tour level, you you might need to start saying no to the community theater gigs and more aggressively pursue the next step up. And then once you've gotten quite a few of those and you're getting asked to do quite a few, take the next step up. So, so what am I saying? This, this could be a multi-year process if you don't have that much experience or cachet. So that is, um, you know, that's something to think about when you're working towards a goal. Make sure that you're, you're taking steps up the ladder. Uh, the last thing that that I thought about, and, and this was the last thing that came to my mind, is I need to do a better job of memorizing difficult passages. So I did a pretty good job of practicing difficult passages. But you have to keep in mind that you never know when there may be a tempo shift or a cut or a page turn. There's going to be things that are, you're going to have to take your eyes off the music. And you want to be able to play something without looking at your hands, knowing exactly what to play, even while you might be watching a conductor uh, doing a cello rondo, a ritardando, um, or any or holding on a certain beat or something like that, because these things happen. And so you can practice a certain way on the book, but if your eyes are chained to the book all the time, you're going to have a hard time in a pit. You've got to be able to get your eyes off the music, not have them on your hands, and so this is this is something that I did not do for this show, and it really bit me on a few places. So I practiced them pretty well. I felt pretty comfortable. But when I wasn't able to keep my eyes on the music, that, that really was a hindrance. So I'll just review those five things again. These are five things that I... That, and again, your, your experience is bound to be different. <laughs> But just from where I'm starting, and hopefully this will help. Number one, get used to more tight expectations, higher expectations. And pretend that they're there even when they're not. Number two is make sure you're practicing on the right equipment. So this is not a problem if, you know, you're a reed player or strings or, you know, basically just about anybody but a keyboardist. You're probably playing on the instruments you're going to be using for the gig. But make sure that if you don't have that exact instrument, that you have something that's very much like it and you're practicing as close as you can. Three, get expertise on the type of book you're going for. So for me, I should have practiced much more, got much more experience on keyboard two books. 
Fourth, make sure you're climbing the ladder to where you want to go and not trying to skip a bunch of steps. Don't go to a national tour if you haven't done anything but community theater and a few school shows. In spite of preparing for those tighter expectations, you need to gradually get used to those expectations being real. And then fifth and finally, memorize the difficult passages in your book. Practice them so much that you don't even need to look at them. And then, you know, the rest, you can do your best. And and all of this is to say, back to that first point, you must practice the book to a level of excellence. Um, you know, I actually asked online, and like, what are some tips for improving accuracy and for doing a good job? And, and more than one person suggested practicing beyond the tempo needed and below the tempo needed. So let's say that the tempo is 120. We'll be able to play it well at 100 and be able to play it well at 140. You hit both sides of those, uh, of your target, and you can control deviation, like if it's a little faster than you thought or if it's a little slower than you thought, or you'll be right on the money. So I'm going to go ahead and ask for this. I'm going to make sure that I post this on Twitter. I've been very bad about that. This episode will be on Twitter, and I'll even pose this question, and I'll also include this on Facebook. If you're a musician and you have ever been asked to not come back, if you've ever been fired or let go from a show, if you're willing to tell me your story, please do that. You can do that in the comments of any social media post. Or you can leave me a message through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Life in the Pit Pod. You can also go to davidlanemusic.com slash podcast, and there's a contact form there, and you can let me know. I would love to hear your stories, uh, especially, like, what did you learn from it? How did it help you? Even on the flip side of that, what did you re- what went wrong from your end? And by the way, you may be in a situation where you got let go from a show because this happens too, and you didn't do anything wrong. You played everything correctly. For whatever reason, the music director didn't like your particular tone, which other music directors do like, or doesn't like your. It could be anything. They 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 don't they don't like the way you present yourself, and it could be something that's a positive attribute for most everybody else. There are times where you'll, where you'll get let go and there's nothing you did wrong. <laughs> so those stories probably aren't very helpful uh, for this conversation, but you know, you should know that they happen. So talk to me, uh, let me know what are some things that you have gone through. If you're a musician that's gone through this and, and what would, what advice would you give to younger musicians? And uh, I would love to love to hear from you on that. So again, um, I'm going to wrap up this episode. I should go ahead and say I don't really know the frequency of upcoming episodes. The The, the podcast is at a place right now where I, I probably should say this is the end of season one, even though that's a pretty long season, that, that I should probably take a significant break. But if I get an interview that I want to share, I want to just be able to come on here and post it. So the best that I could say right now is uh, there, there may be a significant wait before the next episode, or if not the next episode, the one after that. But I will let you know when I'm going to post. You just make sure you're following uh, at Life in the Pit Pod, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. 
you know, so that you'll be notified when there's a new episode. And, uh, of course, on social media, Life in the Pit Pod for Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook. And it may be a while before the next episode. If you haven't, though, please go back and listen to any and all of the episodes that I've already posted. There, um, there are several hours. I mean, there's like three full days worth of content from me talking to other musicians on various levels, on various parts of the country, all the way from community theater to Broadway to touring on cruise ships. Uh, talk to musicians on three different continents. And um, I, I would really encourage you all to check those out. Um, and, and even if maybe if you only listen to an episode once, go back and re-listen. If this is something that you value, you, if, there's, if there is information that will help you as a musician, then you definitely should not just listen to it once. Listen to it again. Uh, take notes on it. And uh, anytime you have any questions, send me a comment. If I don't know the answer, I'll go contact somebody who does and let you know. Thank you all for listening. And I look forward to being with you next time, whenever that is.